This is Mark 12, 41 to 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who were contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Thank you, brother. And we're going through this series called Follow as we're looking at different uh, things that Jesus gave to his followers, those who would say we want to follow. Here's what he said it involved. And obviously we're not touching on everything, but this morning we're looking at this teaching gives um, regarding generosity. And, And just to give some clarification of this passage here, when he's talking about the treasury, he's speaking of these 13 trumpet shaped receptacles that were found in the court of the women. And this is where people would give their offerings and their donations to the temple. So he's, he's watching this. So it's like saying Jesus is hanging back there on the steps, and he's watching that box, and he's watching you all put your money in. It's a little strange, but that's what he's observing at this point. And he's noticing some big givers. He's noticing some people who are really giving a lot. And, and here's where you know if you've been raised in church, and maybe you've heard stories like this too many times, if your natural response is not to stop and think, okay, well, he, he, must, he must have a teaching point. Something like, and you too shall be like the givers of this rich sums, for they are displaying magnanimous generosity, which is to be imitated by you. So pony up. I mean, that's, that's normal. I mean, that's normal. And, and sometimes we're a little too churched, right? Um, I'm, I'm on, I have the privilege and pleasure to be on the board of a nonprofit uh, where we work to serve the community. And we're in the midst of a capital campaign. And it's unbelievable um, as we're raising money amongst some big corporations and the amounts of money people are giving. But it's also fascinating how there's some stipulations, some groups, if they're going to give and they're going to give a certain amount, they, they have like stipulations. Their ne- name needs to be very prominent somewhere. I mean, that's just normal. That's just normal. Uh, the biggest givers are recognized, right? That's the way the world operates. Like, if you are big givers, you are like a platinum giver. And some of you who give, you got your gold and silver. And then some of you are like um, copper down at the bottom, right? You've given a few bucks. That's the way the world operates. But we're reminded again, one of the marvels of Jesus, he doesn't operate the way the rest of the world does. Because all of, as all of these rich people are putting in very large sums of offerings, someone else catches his eye. This poor widow who puts in two copper coins. And the copper coin that Jesus is referring to here is most likely a Jewish coin called a lepton. And a lepton is worth about one, one 128th of a denarius, which, and that means nothing to you, right? So that's like one day's wage for a common laborer. That, that's how much this coin is worth, worth one 128th. So, and then he says that there are two of these. So she's going big now, right? She's given two of those coins, um, and they equal a penny. So when she, he's talking about penny here, he's including this for the sake of his audience who are Romans, who are not Jewish, because they have no idea what a lepton is, but they know what a penny is, and, and in their culture, a penny would be called a quadrens. So this quadrens was the smallest denomination of Roman coinage. 
So this is the smallest coin you can find in Roman culture. So if you're following along with the math, some of you are um, a little bit more nerd inclined. you're following along with the math, two of these coins equals one penny. One penny, this quadrants, equals one sixty-fourth of a denarius. So he's, based, he's saying she's given one sixty-fourth of what a common laborer would make in a day. Simply, it's really not that big of a monetary gift. It's really not that big of an offering. To the bookkeeper, the person, you know, um, their bookkeeper who are re- collecting all this at the end, they probably see this and they're like, man, this is not even worth the ink that it takes to write down the amount. The math required for me to add in this amount is just annoying. I mean, that, that's how much it is. And the crazy thing is, Jesus points that out to the disciples to say, this, this poor woman, you see her dropping those two coins here? Yo, she given more than all the rich folk. And, and again, let's, let's, let's just kind of look at this in reality. If I were one of those rich folk who had just given like a nice chunk of, nice chunk of coin, I'm probably a little offended at hearing that. Um, it'd be like some of you who faithfully give, and you give like a significant percentage of your money, and then someone's dropped in like a penny into the offering box, and we bring them up like, this church would not exist except for this person here. Their generosity. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, Jesus... Her, her coins aren't paying too many bills here. Come on, let's just be real. Bottom line, right? Um, that, that, that penny's not going towards too much oil to keep the lights on in this place. My offering is, <laughs> what I'm giving is, and, and that's real. In the ledger, it doesn't look like too much. It really, in the ledger, it doesn't look like too much. And, and it's nothing comparable to others' much more significant gifts. So how can Jesus, with a straight face, declare that her offering's worth more than everyone else's? I mean, you see there in verse 44, right? As he says there in verse 44, yeah, they gave a good amount, but they gave out of what they had in surplus. Basically, they got so much, they were given out of kind of like the extra that they had. They have enough. Of course they can give. But this woman, she gave literally all she had. She gave all that she has to live on. Realistically, she probably would not be able to eat until she earns some more because she's given everything she has towards the temple of God. And we're reminded, even though it doesn't make sense in kind of like the world ledger, Jesus, he operated on a whole different kind of ledger system. His measure is according to each person's heart. Jesus's measure is according to each person's heart. And, and this is where God's concept of generosity, it, it's just way different than the way that the world operates. Because in the world, generosity, and I think this is good, generosity is something you do to respond to a tangible need. So maybe you're watching the news and you hear about this this horrific hurricane ripping through and you see the destruction and the death and the relief efforts needed. Generosity is saying, well, how can I help with that? Because there's a real need here. I've got, so how can I help? And that's good. And it's appropriate and biblical. And we see Paul even in, in one of the letters he writes in 2 Corinthians commending the church, even though they were not very wealthy, commending them saying, yo, you guys have ponied up when there was your brothers in Jerusalem, brothers and sisters, the church in Jerusalem who was struggling and you gave to that. That's good. You understand the gospel. It's appropriate. It's biblical. Um, and on a, on a side note, yeah, let's pray for Haiti. But let's also give. <laughs> let's also be involved in and find. I, I, 
Okay, if you work for the Red Cross here, you're probably going to leave our church after I say this. Don't give to the Red Cross because they'll build like six houses. Um, give to like World Relief or Samaritan's Purse or some of these organizations that are tangible. Look at how people use the money. Give to those things, and I would encourage you. That's a part of the gospel. But here's where God's approach to generosity and giving is a little different because Jesus doesn't merely teach about giving as a response to need. He doesn't teach that the only time that we should be generous is if there's a need. Because think about the story. He didn't stop this woman. I mean, we're all conditioned and we're smart, right? We're like, yo, in this story, Jesus should have stopped this woman because she doesn't have anything. He should have told her, you woman, you're giving everything. So take it back because you need that. The rest of y'all, I know you're being generous, but I know you got more. Look at the need. Look at this woman within our church. Look at what she's given. How can you hold back? Come on now. He doesn't seem to do that unless there's like a part that we don't see. (laughs) He seems to affirm that she's giving everything she has, and that's good. She should. It's worship. Because obviously, she needs every penny she could muster. But he's making a very radical statement here about the nature of need. As much as she has financial need, and that's real, he's also saying she has a need for God in her soul. As much as she needs those two coins to keep on living, she's got like an area of her soul that giving is helping that. Giving is feeding her soul. And giving sacrificially, does she hear? It's going to fill her heart in worship for God in ways that those two copper coins would not be able to fulfill or pay for a meal. And it's good for her to do it. Jesus doesn't tell her, take that back. Come on. You, you He's saying, it's good. Celebrate it. Y'all throughout history, highlight this woman because she's doing a good thing because it's about the heart. And it's critical for us. We have to recognize that as the people of God, however much you might have, or how, maybe how much you don't have, that our generosity and our money, it, it's much more than just paying the bills in church. Uh, it, it, it's got to be more than just meeting some real needs. Uh, and, and that's real. That, that's real. But our giving, our generosity, it's worship. It's, an, it's a worship issue getting to the core of our hearts. And when we look at Jesus throughout his teachings, um, it, it's fascinating. We look at how much Jesus taught about stuff. 15% of Jesus' words had to do with money. I mean, it's crazy. Nowadays, people might say he's like a prosperity teacher. Right? He always talked about money. 15% of what Jesus talked about was our money, how we spent our money. And it's critical for us to get this. We're just going to keep saying this over and over. It's an issue of worship. It's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of why do we give? Why are we generous? For the sake of our very joy in Christ. That giving is not just to fulfill a need, but it's to reveal a deeper need of our very joy in Christ. How do we fill that joy? By our generosity. And a lot of these thoughts come from people like Randy Alcorn, Dave Ramsey. I would encourage you to read more, study more. But joy... It comes from recognizing, Christian joy comes from recognizing um, the things in my pockets, the things in my purses, the things in my, um, in my bank accounts. They're actually not ours in the first place. They're God's. That, that's critical. That, that's critical. Um, when Scripture addresses the idea of what we own, so when Scripture uses the words of what is ours, 
um, it continues to come back to this idea of God's ownership. And a few scripture passages that kind of speak on this. Psalm 24.1, as we heard earlier. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Basically all this stuff, this big giant rock and everything on it, it's all God's. All of it, it's all God's. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. He's saying, yeah, some of y'all, you're really rich. Some of y'all, your, your pants are falling down because you got so many coins weighing down. But you need to know who gave you the ability to make that? Me, God. Yeah, you're rich. Don't boast. I'm the one who's given you the ability to do that, maybe compared to someone else. Don't boast that you're richer than someone. Glorify God and say, wow, look at what God has allowed me to do here. Freedom. And and I know a lot of us, that's our desire. We want freedom. Freedom, it comes from a growing knowledge. It comes from a perspective that God is the owner of everything. That's freedom, including all that you have. And I want to suggest that's what brings joy. That's what brings generosity. When we really understand, you know, it's all God's. And I think that's what this widow had. I think that's what this widow had. That's why she's able to give everything she has because she has learned. And you might say, well, she had no no choice. She's got nothing. But you see, she's giving everything she has because her stuff doesn't own her. She realized it's already God's anyway. I'm just giving back to him what is his. And that's why Jesus pointed her out. Again, it starts with the recognition that what you and I seem to own is actually not ours in the first place. It's God's. It doesn't mean that God has not granted you the authority to do something with what he's given you. Um, it, It doesn't mean that you should not be wise with what he's entrusted you with. But wisdom... Wisdom in this life is to keep straight whose stuff all this is. I would say freedom and joy comes with not holding on so tight to stuff, but realize, yo, it's God's. Um, Here's here's something to help you understand this. Say say one of you, like you worked a hard week, right? You worked really hard, and maybe you made a couple hundred dollars this week, or you picked up some work, and you did a really good job. You go down to like M&T Bank, and you go up to the desk. You're like, yo, I've worked hard for this. I own this money. I'm entrusting you with the bank. I'm going to deposit this. Make some interest, y'all. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to be wise. I'm going to leave this. And then you're talking to the manager like, thank you. Thank you for trusting our bank with your fiduciary trust, with your money. And then the next day you're walking around and you see that manager. He walking around some brand new Jordans. Like gorgeous, right? Hundred plus something dollar Jordans. You're like, yo, nice shoes. He's like, yeah, man, someone deposited a couple hundred dollars in the bank yesterday. So I was able to go out and, I, I, you know, no one's going to notice. I was able to go out and get some new shoes. Aren't they great? You'll be ticked off, right? You'd be like, what? No, son, we don't roll like that. Where, what, where, where the FDIC right now? We, that, that, you would get mad because you understand whether you have a great knowledge of banking or not. That, that's not his money to do with as he pleases. He's managing that money for you. That's yours. And he has proven irresponsible with what you have entrusted him with. 
And, and that's a silly example, but I want to use that to represent God and us. That it's like everything is God's, and God has entrusted each one of us with a particular portion of that. Some of our portions are a little bigger than others, and that's okay. Every single one of us has a different portion, but we all have something. Whether it's like mega, 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 or whether it's two copper coins, we all have something that God has entrusted us with because it's all his. So when we talk about giving, um, we have to realize we're just giving him what's his. So it's not 10% of what we have is his, like a certain portion is his. It's actually all his. We're just managers of that. And if we confuse who owns what, that's when we start making uh, mistakes in how we handle God's money. It's simply, if we forget who owns it, that's when we start getting in some weird situations because we forget it's all God's anyway. He's just called us to be responsible with what he's given to us. And, and here's, here's the kicker. When you start to understand it's all God's, you are free to be generous. You are free to be um, generous because you can give it away because you're like, it's not mine in the first place. God's entrusted me and with, with wisdom. If there's a need, hey, yeah, I want to give it to that. If there's someone who could be blessed by that, sure, because it's not mine anyway. God's called me to take this piece he's given me, and how am I going to do well with it? But if you hold and you make ownership of what's not really yours in the first place, that's when things get really confusing. It's like when my girls, yeah, I love my girls, but they can get a little stingy. And when they get like a little gift or something or a little toy, or we buy them something, right? Or I buy them, like, so we'll make it practical. Like we go to a Costco and they, we get like a chicken bake for them, right? We just so we love chicken bakes or hot dogs. And then like I, I want them to enjoy it, but then like say the other wants to taste some of it. If the girls go, no, that's mine. I'm like, oh, hold up now. Who, who paid for that chicken bake? Who paid for that hot dog? Who paid for that toy that you're holding on to so much? My room. Now, who paying rent on this? You paying any rent? As far as I know, your mama mind him on that line. We're the ones. This is all ours. If anything, we are allowing you to sink your teeth into that chicken bake. We are allowing you to play with my toy. That's my toy. No, that's my Legos that I keep stepping on. But I'm allowing you to enjoy it. But don't get stingy with it because it's not yours. Don't get greedy with it. It's not yours. It's mine. Use well with what I've given you. Because when we think about generosity, guys, we need to be very clear. God doesn't need your money. Hear me clearly. God doesn't need your money. It's already his. Psalm 50, one of my favorite passages that talks about the Psalm 50, starting verse 9. I will not accept a bull from your house or gnats from your fold. Goats, my eyes are bad. Goats from your folds. I need my reading glasses. For every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For this world and its fullness are mine. He's saying, y'all think you're getting carried away with your generosity. We're going to give you these sacrifices of bulls and go, y'all, that's mine in the first place. Come on. Because the purpose of our generosity is not just for others. Here's where we're getting. When we understand that everything is God's, he gives us. When we give then, the purpose of our generosity is not just for others. God is trying to heal our own soul. God is trying to bring you joy. And, and guys, why I say that, you need to hear that, especially from the pulpit. 
Because I think too often in churches, when you talk about money, let's be real. It's because like three months ago, the officers of the church start looking at the bank accounts and saying, yo, we're really low right now. Oh, we're starting to dip in. Oh, man, I don't know how we're going to pay those. Okay, we need like a sermon on money in about three months. And just get kind of that guilt in, you know. Uh, we, we just won't do that here. We're just not going to do that there. Because personally, just like Dan was saying, I have just seen personally way too many evidences of God providing what we need to like a dollar. I have seen, and you can call it like hocus pocus or what, I have seen too many evidences where I was crying, praying, saying, we're not going to make it till next week. And I open up the P.O. box and there's like a check there. Like exactly what we need to pay the bills. I, I've just seen too many instances of that. Because um, I believe God will give us exactly what we need for his will. For us to accomplish his purposes. God will give us exactly what we need. And sometimes maybe not a penny more. But he will give us exactly Because it's all his. And he, he wants us to do what we're supposed to do. He'll give us what we need to do it. And again, I'm saying some of this because I think some of us come from backgrounds where money and the church were not discussed well together. Some shadiness, right? <laughs> Let's just be real. Some shadiness. Here's why I can speak with integrity. You need to know, and I'll say this for you need to know, my salary is not dependent on how much the church gives. So we are not, like, my salary doesn't go up, and it's not like a love offering type of thing where, oh, wow, the church gave a lot more this year. Okay, I get like a 15% bump. Oh, wow, the church gave like many more. Okay, so let's increase my salary by that. We don't do that. My salary is set year by year. It doesn't go up or down based on how much we give or we don't. And that's why I hope you know I can speak with integrity on this. Uh, that it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a heart matter. I speak this with passion because I want your full joy. You need to understand that so we can know why we engage in these matters of generosity. It's not because my livelihood is dependent on it. It's not. Because if, you, if this is your church, if you declare that this is your church, we will teach you to give generously to the village. And some of that, it covers expenses. It covers ministry costs. That's real. And, and I think there's a, there's a real aspect of that. If you call this family, it's just like any other family. If someone in your family is struggling or has a need, you should chip in if that's your family. You should contribute. If there are needs to be met as a family, and that's why we talk about being more than just this religious or We're a family. What does it mean to take your part in that and to give? Again, whatever you have, but for us to be all part of it. So that's real. But just as much as that's real, we sincerely believe that our generosity is directly related to your growth as a follower of Jesus. As much as we teach you how to study the Bible, as much as we try to teach you how to pray, we would not be doing our job correctly if we're not talking about how you spend your money because that is such an integral part of revealing how do we follow Jesus in our lives. So at our church, when we talk about giving then, just to let you know. Um, and sometimes people throw on words interchangeably. We actually try, prefer not to use the word tithing. And that might be a surprise to some folks here. We don't use the word tithing. Tithing is the sense of I give 10% of my money automatically from the Old Testament. It was called the first fruits that whatever you had, you first give 10%. And that's good. That's a biblical principle. And I will not argue with anyone that says they tithe. But our, our philosophy is um, that's like church tax. 
right? That's like you got to give 10% or you don't want like an like a lightning bolt through your head kind of thing. Like you don't want to be punished. Whereas now when we understand this gospel, the good news that God, as Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, came to this earth, he didn't choose to give like 10% of his life or he didn't measure off like 10% of his blood, but he gave it all. He gave the fullness of who he is for the sake of our joy, for the sake of our redemption. If that's the understanding of grace that we have, how can we like limit what we say is what we have to give? Rather now, it's what can I give? What am I able to give now? It's driven by grace, not obligation, not law. So the philosophy we have at the church then, we don't go by strict numbers, though I think 10% is a good kind of marker. I think that's a healthy marker. But we talk about being regular. Like our giving, it should not be this thing that's kind of like, oh, no, this month I got a little bit. Oh, that, oh, I got. There just should be a, like a pattern set to our giving. There should be cheerful aspect to our giving like we want to give because it's part of our worship again and there should be sacrificial elements to our giving so what that means for our church then for some people in our church 10 percent is very sacrificial but they would die I'm just, I'm just being real here they are not at a point where they would be able to give 10 percent, whether because of financial issues at home or in the family they're not able to do that but for others of us perhaps god has blessed us with the means to make money He's provided you with a stable job. And 10%, let's just be real here, would not be that sacrificial for you at this point. It's like surplus. And at our church, we don't ask any person what, I mean, our financial people, they know. I, I don't know. I don't know how much anyone gives. But we just ask you, understand, this is what we're talking about when we talk about giving. And I want to encourage you, as part of your relationship and following Jesus, make this a part of your disciplines as well. Saying, I want to follow Jesus more and more. What does it mean for me to display a life of generosity? On the back table, we have forms that you can do that electronically. We encourage that, not because it's more, I mean, it, it is nice and convenient, but it helps you. It reminds you. I would encourage you to pick up one of those forms and say, how can I give and practice this discipline of generosity online? So guys, this is applicable to all of us here. Some of you, you're, you're students. You're like, all right, this is one of those sermons I kind of check out because I got no money, right? Um, this is a hard issue. It's a hard issue. What that means is even if you are not making like mega dollars, whatever you have, look at a woman in the story, right? All she had was two copper coins, but she gave out of what she had. This is a heart matter. What that means is Right, let's just make it very practical. If you are, say, a, a university student here or a graduate student, you're like, oh, I got no money. But one day when I make a lot, that's when I'm going to start giving generously. If you cannot give off $10 a week, there's no way you're going to be able to give off like five digits in your paycheck. It doesn't get easier. <laughs> you think just because you have more, it'll be easier to give? Nah, it's going to grab your heart and say, no, you can't give that away. It's a heart matter. Learn and practice now with even the small amount that you might have. And it's bigger than most of you recognize, right? As much as we say we don't have money, I see you at Chipotle. I see you at the movie theater. I see you, I see you paying for your cable TV. You have more than you realize. Netflix costs something. And this is not to guilt or shame you, but it's to ask ourselves, it's all about following Jesus, right? Have I surrendered every aspect of my heart to him? 
And maybe some, and this is not a, this is not a theory, right? This is, maybe some of you, realistically, you're getting by with barely nothing right now. You are struggling. And would I encourage you, even from the very little you have, say, God, I trust you with even a portion of this. Even though maybe I'm like the woman in this story, and I don't know how I'm going to eat tomorrow if I give, but I'm going to trust God that he's capable because it's all his already. And I, I want to bring us home here. Like we keep repeating, this is a heart matter. It's a heart matter. And our approach to money, I think it reveals our trust in God. If we can't trust God with our money, I don't know if it's realistic to say that we can trust him with any other aspect of our life or our eternal soul. And, and the way some of us approach our stuff, I think it reveals that we have a very small view of God. We act like God is miserly. We hate sermons like this because we think the goal of the church is just trying to take the little that I already have. And we forget that God owns it all. And that when we understand the heart of God, that this God is one of sacrificial kindness, God of generosity. We look at passages like 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 9, probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is the scandal of the gospel, because in a world where rich people just be, keep getting richer and richer and richer, and seem to want to step their uh, foots down on people's throats, and make them poorer, poorer, poorer. The God of this universe who owns everything, who has a rightful claim to it all, has said, here's how I'm coming to this earth, by giving it all up. I'm going to give it all up. I'm going to sacrifice. Jesus came to this earth, and though he was fully God, and the rights fully do God, became a man. All the pain, all the weariness, all the depression, all the sad, maybe not depression, but all the sadness that you encounter and even all the struggles financially that you encounter. Jesus was not a rich man as much as some shady Bible teachers want to say. (laughs) He became a lowly human. And when we know that, hopefully you see that the heart of God is not trying to take away from you, not trying to steal away from you. But you can start to say, man, if this is who God is, that he would give up everything. Why? So he could have me? How can I not trust him with what I have? Because if he hasn't failed me before, why would I have to trust that he would fail me now? So yeah, give because it'll help us in costs. Give because it'll help us in expenses. Give so my little kids can eat. No, I'm not going to do that guilt thing. (laughs) Mike, we're doing fine. I think God has blessed us. All that's fine, but ultimately give because even sometimes in the hardness of giving, God wants to reveal your heart. He's trying to prompt you to say, trust me. Trust me. I'm good. I want you. Bow your heads with me.